Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 135 at Edmonton again. The Oilers tomorrow against the Nashville Predators. The face-off show will begin at 3.30 with uh, Reed Wilkins and Rob Brown and Jack and myself. Uh, we'll have the call for the game at 5 o'clock tonight. At, uh, by the way, there are tickets available for both uh, tomorrow's game against Nashville, the Tuesday game against the Chicago Blackhawks where our next guest played uh, one time in his NHL career. Uh, And uh, there's also tickets tonight to visit oilkings.ca. The Edmonton Oil Kings, who are currently leading the Eastern Conference right now in the WHL standings, they host the Red Deer Rebels. As we head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, we are pleased uh, to be joined by a guy who uh, won a couple uh, Canada Cups back in the day and has been the longtime owner, general manager, and head coach of the Red Deer Rebels, also a former NHL uh, head coach as well. We welcome back to the show, Brent Sutter. Hi, Brent. It's Bob. How are you? Good stuff. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you kind of are where you guys are right now, aren't you? you got a young team. Uh, you're not going to make the playoffs, uh, but it's still uh, lots of opportunity for teaching because I think you got more 16- and 17-year-olds in your lineup, certainly, uh, than any other team in the league right now. Well, we have, and, you know, we knew, and I've said this before, that yep. – but just um, you know, just the way it works when you're, you know, when you have the opportunity to host a Memorial Cup like we did in '16, we knew at some point that we were going to have to have a changeover with uh, with the young kids coming in, and um, you know, I personally thought it would be year three, which it would have been last year, and uh, we tried to get through it without having to play a whole pile of 16 year olds, and and we were able to manage to get through it, and then this year we just. You know, we knew we were going to have to bring in anywhere from 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old players on our team. And uh, it's not a 16-year-old, 17-year-old league for, obviously, for that many players. But, um, you know, you always have teams that will break in a couple 16-year-olds or they might have four or five 17-year-olds on their team or whatever. But um, it was just the way it works, right? And we uh, were in that. And... We've, you know, we started off. We knew it would be a tough start to the season, and we had that certainly. Just getting everyone through it all, and 
and yet you know we've been uh, we've actually been playing some pretty decent hockey and uh, since probably right before Christmas on and it's still at times it's find it hard to get wins at the end of the night where you know you seem like you're one goal away and yet at the start of the year we're three or four goals away but we're finding our way um, you know we're hoping it's a one year and out and we can get back at it next year and that's our goal well you moved Brett Davis I believe Lethbridge is that where you traded him and you Dawson Bart, Bart Dawson Barteau had another year of junior left but it's probably going to play pro next year you traded him to Winnipeg and those are were a couple of your better players as well so it's all part of the pro I'm going to assume in the Barteau trade you got a pretty good return as well uh, Brent so uh, yeah we did I mean Bart Bart I mean I would have never traded Bart if we thought we we're going to have him back next year Dallas had signed him and told us they were turning him pro next year and yeah um you know and it just with having four five seven year old defensemen on your team and one 16 year old we had to make sure that <laughs> down the stretch we had opportunities for them with all play right and yeah i mean winnipeg uh stepped up to the plate and paid a paid a you know a, a price that uh you know that i that's the only way i would trade him that i wanted and uh and we moved him on. And with Brett Davis, it was a situation again where you got Ben King, you got uh, Mr. Group on our team, and uh, Chris Douglas, who's playing center ice, uh, you know, Isley, Roland, these guys are all young guys, 16, 17-year-old kids, except for Douglas, he's 19. And we just wanted to make space for them to play. And, you know, Brett had had a tough time with us, struggling to score, and we just felt it was time if, we can get some compensation for him and we'd move on and uh, give him an opportunity to carry on somewhere and go through playoffs and we can move on doing what we're doing. Uh, from a somewhat selfish perspective, uh, because his father was the best man in my first and so far only wedding, uh, which is remarkable that that's still the case. Uh, John Sexsmith's son, Joel Sexsmith, is playing for you. Joel had a, an injury, sort of played well, an illness plagued year last year. He had a blood clot. Uh, I, I'm sensing that he's starting to play a little bit more for you. He's a 17 year old. He's a, a def- you know defenseman. How's how's Joel come along this year? He's coming. You know he's you know he. He had a blood clot, and he still has it. You know, it's uh, it's something that's going to be there. And uh, and you know, we uh, we went through a period of time earlier in the year. It was just more of a mental thing, and uh, you know, we got him through that and got him some help. And uh, and he ever since we've traded uh, Bart's, uh, he's been having an opportunity to play in our top four, and uh, he's come along. And it's exactly what we wanted, right? We wanted these young kids to take steps, and Joel is like the rest of them. He certainly has. There's a cyclical nature that occurs uh, in in junior hockey, Brent. And is that kind of the way it should work? Like, put it this way. I get a little suspicious when teams don't go through an 18-month period where they're not a bottom three or four team uh, in the uh, in the league. You know what I'm saying? Which is, yeah. And people say, well, come on, Stauffer, you're just caught, you're, you're making a, you know, a cop-out for the Oil Kings having two tough years. But I actually look at the teams that never seem to have to do that and think, all right, are they playing above board? Because I just think that in junior hockey, uh, you, you know, you load up and then you do a little bit of a regroup. Is that a fair assessment? No, it is for sure, and more often than not, that's the way it is. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. You look at the Oil Kings and what they went through, and, you know, the team they have today, they've added some, you know, key pieces to it along the way, but their team has been mostly homegrown, and yeah. and they went through a tough time when those kids were 16, 17 years of age, too. And, you know, and you look at them today, and, 
and they're you know they're they're on their way now right like they're they've taken that big step and uh and yet teams go through that it's just a kind of a recycling thing you do and um you know you hope it but you only hope that it's only going to be like you say a year year and a half and then you're back at it again right so it's just all what it has to do now it's there's two things right you got it's just like the national hockey league now major junior is you got to develop from within it's hard to make trades now um you uh you know you gotta you gotta draft well and you gotta be patient with these kids and and there's a big development curve with them and you gotta you know you just gotta work with them on it and hopefully they, they take the steps where they where they need to and look the all kings they've done that right like they look at their team two years ago and three years ago and they went through that right yep. and now now you look at them now uh, you know there there's a reason why they are what they are right now that's a heck of a hockey team but it was well put together and it was a well drafted team to start with and uh, and that's the whole thing about junior hockey and you only have these kids in your system for four years max five a couple of them maybe yep and they're on their way right so there's always a turnover and it's not like the NHL where you can have players on your team for six seven ten twelve fourteen years and it doesn't happen like that in junior. We're joined by uh, longtime NHLer Brent Sutter. He's had two different stints in Red Deer. Coach roughly off the top of my head about 15 years uh, for the Rebels organization. Of course, he's the owner of the team, the GM. Brent, I'd be remiss without asking you. You spent three years as head coach of the Calgary Flames. Uh, you know, the Sutter name is so prominent in the province of Alberta, Viking and all that. But I don't think, and I was doing color uh, of those games uh, during your tenure in Calgary, I, I don't recall quite the buildup, mainly because the Oilers were going through a rebuild at that time. Uh, you guys won, you know, low 40s in games, but you're out of the playoffs. Surely you would have seen highlights of what occurred the other night with uh, Mike Smith yeah. and Cam Talbot. I loved it. It was old school. It took me back to a different time. Maybe it took you back to the days of, you know, your your time with the New York Islanders and some of those rivals you had out east with the Flyers and that sort of thing and, and the Rangers. That was old school. That was, uh, did you, was there anything even close to like that when you were coaching the Flames against Edmonton? No, well, you know, I think that, and it's been mentioned, and it's so true, I think part of it is just the state of the teams are where they're at right now, right? There's a lot of parity in the National Hockey League, and there's parity between the Flames and Oilers. And, um, you know, both teams are are obviously, you know, in, in playoff spots now and fighting to stay in playoff spots like a lot of those teams in, the, in that division are. And, uh, you know, it's just the way it is, right? And then you have, you have the, you know, the thing with Kachuk and Cassian and you know it really got excitement here right and and then you have the next game and it's a build up and then you have the two goalies fighting and I believe it's the only time that's happened it's hard to believe in the history of the Flames and Oilers with the way things were in the in the 80s and early 90s but uh, um, yeah I mean it certainly brings excitement and yet to compare it to back the way it was in the 80s it, I kind of laugh about it because it, it's it's now if there's a fight in the game or a couple fights in the game, it's like there's a brawl in the game, right? And I'm not saying we want to go back to the way the game right. was at all, but back in the day, like the Oilers and Flames, I mean, you know firsthand what that was like, right? Like each team had had heavyweights, and there wasn't just one on each team. There was a pile, and, and then their players, good players could go too, and it was the same way in Long Island with the Rangers and Islanders. I mean, if there was two goalies fighting, the only reason why they're fighting because it was a five-on-five on, five on the ice, yeah. or both bench, or both benches had emptied, yeah. and uh, and that's when the goalies fought, right? 
but at the same time, it is the way the game is today. But when you hear this about taking fighting out of the game, uh, I don't buy that. And the reason why I don't is because I'm not saying we want to get back to how it was. And fighting in itself has diminished just over time. Right. And, and, and rightly so, and probably good for a good thing. But to completely eliminate it from the game, look at the excitement it brought to our province between the Flames and Oilers because of the Cassian Kachuk thing. Right then, all of a sudden, it's the next night. It's a build up and bang, it happens again, and uh, with the goalies. So, you know, there's there's still a place for it, but it's got to be at the right place and the right time. And you know, I it was exciting. I mean, it's and we'll see where it goes. Like it, it'd be awesome if, if the Flames and Oilers had to play each other in, in a round of playoffs. I I recall uh, when Daryl got eliminated in '06. They asked him because uh, the, the Flames got upset by Anaheim, and they they said, "What what are you gonna do now?" And he goes, "I'm gonna watch the Oilers in round two. And everybody was like, "Well, they're from Alberta. Like it's it's an Alberta. T- I'm kind of the same way on that." When you were, uh, I, I mean, when you were playing for John Chapman in Lethbridge, could every guy, like, if you guys got into it, was there not an expectation that every guy would go down swinging if need be? Like, was there anybody on the teams like, no, I'm not. Like, it was just kind of like everybody knew, hey, we're all going to have to chip in here. Because I think of how the Oilers performed on the Saturday night, and maybe they don't, they weren't all fighting, but their smallest players were their most competitive guys. Yamamoto, who played in your league with Spokane. Uh, yeah. Gaetan Haas coming over from Switzerland and getting smoked twice by Kachuk at the end of the game and coming back up and giving him the stick as he gets back up and defending himself. And when you played for Johnny Chapman, I mean, that was just, it was all in, wasn't it? It was right to the whole lineup, as it was when I went to the NHL at the Islanders. I mean, it was like there was, uh, you know, and yes, you had the Mike Bossies and the Brian Trotchies and these guys, and you didn't want them doing that kind of stuff, but they were still tough as nails. Like, these guys would battle and compete, and, you know, and that, that part of it is should always be there by everybody, right? That That's, that's inexcusable. If you have any player on your team that's, not willing to battle and compete and play hard and do that. You shouldn't be on the team. But in, And yet, it's just the fighting end of it. You don't expect that now in the game where toughness now is measured by winning battles, uh, blocking shots, uh, back-checking, uh, getting to tough areas to score goals. Uh, that's what toughness is in the game today, and yet there is going to be some fights that occur through that. And and when you get the excitement between the Oilers and Flames had there, um, then some of the smaller guys are going to end up fighting some of the smaller guys. <laughs> it's just the way it is, right? And uh, um, But uh, the game has changed a lot, and for a lot of good reasons. But I've always, and then you always look at this, and you know, you look at some things in the game that are, have to be the same today as they were 100 years ago, and they need to be 100 years from now. And that's, you got to have players that are willing to, to really compete hard and play hard and have a huge work ethic and play for each other and play for the front of the jersey. All that kind of stuff, to me, is never going to change in time. It's just the aspect of the other things in the game that's changed to make it faster and taking out the red line. Uh, some of the rules that come in, you, the hooking and the holding and stuff, things now, they've made the game faster, right? So, But it's still about competing. Like You still got to compete and play. Yeah. Hey, uh, we could go on all day talking about, you know, the Loneys and uh, 
you know, your two brothers have played with you in Lethbridge, and uh, Mark Magnon, I think, was on that team as well. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but I, I want to ask you about Nuge, Ryan Nugent-Hawkins. You didn't coach him, but your organization had him. Uh, he's done multiple appearances in Red Deer. I think he's going to do something there with Terry Lowe in the summer at that Children's Advocacy Center that we did a couple of years ago down there. Uh, were you at all surprised that Nuge pushed back against Monaghan? And isn't that kind of what you're, you're talking about, is the fact that when push comes to shove, even the best players, those are two really good players on those two respective teams, even even they have to, you know, assist in policing the game themselves out on the ice. You know what, I wasn't surprised at all with Nuge. I mean, you know, Nuge is a competitive kid, and he's going to play hard, and he's he's going to give you it all, all the time, and uh, and yet he's got that skill set to go with it, and you know, and the expectations of Nuge, because he was the first pick taken overall in the Western Hockey Band draft, first player taken all you know, in the National Hockey Draft, uh, you know, it is, there's expectations that are high, and some of it's some of it rightly so, and some of it not as yep. fair, right? And, uh, but the one thing with Nuge, he's got the skill sets, but he's a competitor, and he knows how to play the game, and he's a two-way player, and he's someone that every team loves to have on their team. Yep. And, you know, you hear all these trade rumors and stuff, and I'm just speaking from a fan's perspective. Yep. Who, who replaces Ryan Nugent Hopkins in your lineup? You know, like because he's such a good player and he's a two-way two-way player. And so much today, the National Hockey League is obviously dollars in and dollars out. But you know, it's uh, Nugent is a heck of a player and he's he's a great player for Tip and for Kenny and for that other organization. And uh, and for him to do what he did, it's not surprising at all. And you're right. I mean. <laughs> Top players have to step up and battle too in it, and I mean you're not, you're obviously not asking the, the McDavid's to to do something like that, but you're not surprised at all to see Nuge do that. So I, I wasn't surprised. I was proud of him. I mean, I mean he was battling for the front of that jersey and for what was right, and that so what so was Monahan. Good stuff. Brent, good luck tonight. Uh, Going to be excited to see the evolution and growth with your team here over the next couple of seasons. Thanks for taking time to join us on Oilers Now. And uh, just to uh, uh, reaffirm, you have one of the best uh, play-by-play guys and communication guys. And you got uh, some terrific people working in the office. Cam Moon's been a, a great guest of ours over the years. We love having him on. Thanks for your time, Brent. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, see you there. That's Brent Sutter. He is the uh, owner, general manager, head coach of the Red Deer Rebels. We'll take a two-minute break. I'll tell you, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years for a menu and a list of their 14 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stauffer recommendation, Royal Pizza, Mediterranean Chicken. Back with this day in Oilers history when we return on Oilers now. Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. All right, all right, all right, James Neal, 19 goals, 12 in the power play, but he's been out dealing with a foot issue for the Edmonton Oilers. Always like having Brent Sutter on the show. Uh, you know, the game's evolved. Brent's clearly evolved as a coach. Red Deer's in a rebuild. they got a lot of young kids on their team. Uh, the Oil Kings are going to have a good... Uh, Edmonton probably played ahead of itself last year. They're probably right where they should be this year. Oil Kings tonight against the Red Deer Rebels. 68-game uh, schedule. Winning 40 games in 68 games is not easy, but my expectation is the Oil Kings will do that this year. 
next year and the year after. And the Oil Kings will be the, I would suggest, the they lead the Eastern Conference right now. I'm not sold they're necessarily the favorite to win the East this year. They'll be the favorite 100% next year. Dylan Gunther is going to be a top 10 pick in the 2021 NHL draft. Neighbors will go. Neighbors is working his way back in to the first round. What happened is he was a little quiet offensively. Out of, Jake Neighbors out of the gate and had a so-so Holinka Gretzky, which was in the Czech Republic uh, last year. So Dylan Gunther will be in the Holinka Gretzky this year in Edmonton. Then we got the World Juniors in Edmonton and Red Deer. So good stuff there. All right. To this day in Oilers history for our friends at New West Travel, join Oilers now. Got a road trip to Chicago. Uh, we can squeeze in a couple more spots. Uh, we can work it uh, to make that happen. You can reach us at New West Travel. Go online at newwesttravel.com. It's Fairly well booked, but uh, we can get a couple more spots for you if need be. On this day, 1995, the Edmonton Oilers played the Vancouver Canucks, and what happened? A 4-4 tie, as exciting as that was. But the end of the game, Scott Thornton gives the Oilers a 4-3 lead with 19 seconds left. But then Trevor Linden tied it up with six seconds left in the game. That was right around the time that uh, the Oilers had some beauty battles with uh, Vancouver back in the day. And I remember Shane Corson, I don't know if it was that year, just speed bag and Dana Merzen. And Dana was a big kid, but wasn't didn't have the quickest hands. And Course could really chuck him for a light heavyweight. Like he was a good fighter. Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight at uh, six o'clock. He'll have, obviously, stuff on the Oilers involving uh, Dave Tippett. Yeah, you'll hear from Oilers color analyst Drew Remenda, Predators play-by-play voice Pete Weber, CFL free agent Rob Fry on the... Or not free agent, CFL agent Rob Fry on the lead-up to free agency opening on Tuesday. Rob Fry works for Gil Scott, a longtime Canadian-based agent. They've represented a lot of uh, long snappers and Canadian kickers over the years, and... Uh, Gil Scott is the father of Edmonton Oilers capologist, Bill Scott. Wow, this takes me back. Nice call. Love this song. We will have the Oilers and the Predators from Rogers Place, 3.30 p.m. We'll be at Studio 99. Reed Wilkins, myself, Rob Brown, Jack Michaels in the call of the game at 5. Everybody have a terrific weekend. Let's hope the Oilers get her turned around. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Carrie McCarthy, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.